bowl at the IEP table sometimes. That includes parents, teachers, admins, therapists. A no can be a powerful strategy in the IEP process. That's exactly why I brought Janelle with us to the Special Education Inner Circle podcast. I'm your host, Catherine. And Janelle, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. All right. So Janelle is a master IEP coach. We just got done with our virtual conference to kick off this year, to all be together as master IEP coaches, as a community to end the school year strong. And you were a speaker at the conference. So tell us a little bit about why are you at the IEP table and why are you a master IEP coach? So let me start from the beginning. So initially, um, and still to this day, uh, I was at the IEP table as a parent. Um, unfortunately, in the very beginning of the process, I was one of those parents that would just show up because I was told, hey, we have a meeting. So I would show up to the meeting as a parent because we were having a lot of different challenges with my son in the, spe- in the general education setting. So again, I said no knowledge, no prior knowledge of what this process looked like. So I would just show up as that parent. So I was doing a lot of nodding the yeses, the, you know, because when you're not familiar with this, this process, you're doing this because you're hoping that what they're saying is going to help your child, correct? So I was doing this. Um, And unfortunately, a lot of those yeses um, did not uh, help or impact my son in a positive way. Um, And so I learned the the opposite side of just sitting there and, and nodding my head yes to going and do my own research, also getting my own advocate to be able to assist me at the IEP table. And I, I began to turn those yeses into no. Hold that thought. Let me review the IEP. So I learned how powerful that my no was at that table, that it is okay to say no at the IEP table. So now as a master IEP coach, I actually initially joined for the network for the more, you know, more formal knowledge and everything um, that I needed to help me as an IEP coach, because I was doing this on the opposite side um, as a parent. And so wanting to do this because I was more passionate about it. And I learned that I'm not just advocating for my child at the IEP table. I'm doing it for all the families and the children that come behind me or beside me. So I became a master IEP coach to do just that, to make sure that I formalize this process as a master IEP coach. And because I'm passionate about helping other families, that is why I joined the network to be able to do just that. Yeah, and and so you are one of the uh, most outspoken master IP coaches when it's when we come to this word no. And what I love about it so much is that it's not in a combative way. A lot of times when I hear you describing no, it's in a let's press pause. So for those of you that might be new here listening, you know, I've been in the field professionally for 25 years. I've said no thousands of times and no's come easy to me. If I'm like, no, hang on. No, where's the data? No, where's that? Like, no was just something that I was okay saying, but not everybody is okay saying that because they think it's going to cause a fight. So can you just share a little bit about like what a no can do? Like, seriously, you're sitting at the IEP table. Give me an example of when you might have to say no. So when you, when you, can say no, um, not when you can no. When you have the option to say no is that, like I said in the beginning of my story, as a parent who had no knowledge of, you know, this whole IEP process, the word no would have been so useful for myself because I had no knowledge of my rights when it comes to my procedural safeguards or my child's rights. So at that time, I should have said no 
I am not prepared for this meeting. I was not able to have enough time to review the, I, the draft IEP or the proposal or the refusal, whatever the school was putting in front of me, that I had the power to say no at that time. You know, and no does not have to be combative. It does not have to cause conflict between or friction between the parent, the guardian, or the IEP team. That no is okay. It is okay to say no, but, or no, can I, or no, may I, you know, have some time to do X, Y, and Z. So being, being okay with using no as a collaborative type thing instead of a combative type word at the IEP table. So that is just an example of when it is okay to say no. Absolutely. And, you know, we were kind of talking a little bit before we hit record here. And I was like, you know, I want teachers to hear this, that they can say no also. Now you might have to say a little bit different. Like, I know where you're getting your paycheck. I know how that happens, but like, no, hang on a second. Uh, let me go grab that data. No, hang on a second. Let me, let me really look at this. You know what? Why don't you, so we can say no in a different way as in a teacher role, you can say it in a way of like, hang on a minute, how about we put that over here while I go do this? And it usually it is getting more data or talking to a different person in the building that might not be sitting at the table. So I want to make sure that teachers and therapists and admins, that you guys are not afraid to use your no, which sometimes might sound like a hang on a minute or hit pause, but that can be powerful. And that is huge when it comes to supporting a parent at the table is when a professional at the table says, hang on a second, I think we need to pause or no, we're not going to move that child directly into this type of service or no, we're not going to dismiss that he can never learn how to read. No, we're not going to do that. Right. That is, that is so powerful. I actually had an IEP meeting with one of my families last week, and that is exactly what happened. We had the occupational therapist there um, who had only had uh, an observation report. So she only was able to observe the child twice, um, two different times, and she was able to say, no, this is not the final report. I still need time to be able to do some more observation, to collect more data, to really bring you know, forward to the IEP table some valuable information that is going to help that child. So that is exactly right, Catherine. That is exactly what happened to, you know, me and my family last week that, you know, another person at the IEP table said, no, I need more data. I need more observation to be able to provide what it is for this child. So yes, it is truly powerful. Yeah. And, and you know what? And let's talk about placement. And I'm going to talk about this in two different ways. I'm going to talk about it at, in placement as in placement for the child mm -hmm. and where the child will be receiving services. We know special education is a service, not a place. So, but right. we talk a lot about placement of where those services will take place. I'm also going to talk a little bit. We need to address placement of teachers. Sometimes teachers are not in the right place for them and they need to learn to say no. So let's have both of those conversations here. Um, so placement and saying no. Can you give some encouragement to parents who are feeling in their gut instinct? There's one thing to feel. I'm going to use the word grief because a lot of times it's like, oh, oh, you're right. Like my child needs a more specialized environment. Okay. And there's some that goes with that. And maybe you want to say no, but there's something in you that's just like, mm, I think we need to give this a try. But then there's that feeling as a parent where you're like, no, 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 no. Like my child's not going there. That's not how this is going to be. Like, no, talk about that. Let's give some encouragement to parents to follow yeah. that feeling. And, and I want to start it with this because I know some parents, guardians, when they hear the self-contained education placement, they automatically feel that their child is secluded you know, from 
everyone else in the general education setting. I will share my own personal story that when we first received the education placement for my son, where he was gonna receive, receive all his supports and services, it was in the general education setting. I knew as a parent that my child was not going to receive his education based on his needs in that type of environment. It, was, it could be way too much going on, you know, uh, not enough assistance as far as the one-to-one -one adult assistance. I knew my son needed to be in a more self-contained or more restricted environment to receive his education based on his own needs. So I was okay with saying, no, I don't think this is the right placement, you know? And they, you know, were able to listen to what I had to say in regards to my son and my concerns. And we were able to come back to the table and say, you know what? I think the right placement for him is in a more restrictive environment, in a more self-contained where he can receive his education, more supports, all his services are gonna be conducted in that placement. So yes, that is just an example from my personal story um, of this is, this is the proper placement for him to receive his education and it is okay. Don't let those words, those titles of those education placements, you know, kind of hinder you from being able to say yes or no when it comes to the educational success of your child. So, yeah. So here's the thing. I can say this a hundred times, what I'm going to say in just a second, I can say it a hundred times and it means so much more when it's coming from somebody who has gone through this experience. So that word restrictive feels so scary to parents, but my brother who went to a therapeutic day school, and here's the thing I am not for everybody who's like, Oh my gosh, they're talking therapeutic day school and self-contained. Like they don't get it. And it's inclusion. No, we get it. We, we get it. We, we, we totally understand being part of the school community. We understand all of that. So don't think that's where we're going with this conversation, but my brother who would be on paper, it would look like he was in a more restrictive environment was actually in a less restrictive environment because he had more independence and can de could develop much higher skills versus something that on paper, because somebody made a chart somewhere of least restrictive to most restrictive. And that's what they called it. They're like this, it's almost like this is good and this is bad. And, and that's mm -hmm. not true. So it, has your son had the experience of having more independence and actually having a less restrictive environment by going to what we call a self-contained classroom? Yes, even today, right now, you know, he is again in a self-contained placement, but the freedom of him being able to transition into an inclusive environment, he has, and his skills has even enhanced more because they are giving him that more, that independence to be able to self-advocate or to say, you know, maybe today I don't want to go or, or transition to this class. So yes, the freedom and, and him being able to advocate, self-advocate for himself, he has been able to do that in that environment and be, you know, when we're thinking of him being, uh, you know, amongst non-disabled peers, he has that freedom to be able to do that. And I'm not just talking about PE or library or those resources. I'm talking about history classes with non-disabled peers. I'm talking about him being able to go to have a science lab, that experiment in that science lab as a middle schooler. So yes, he has had that, even though his placement is in that, you know, more restrictive environment. But guess what? He's still learning. He's still being successful. His skills are being enhanced. We're, you know, adding more goals based off of him, you know, so it's just such a freedom. And for me as a parent, I, I appreciate that, you know, the school is really learning and understanding my child and understanding the needs that he has to be able to do that in this educational um, environment. So, 
You, you know what? You said something very key in there that has to do with our conversation. You said that your, your son can say, no, that's not working for me. And, yes. and that's an important piece. So we talk about parents. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about teachers. We're going to talk a little bit more about placement and teachers, but students need the ability to say, no, that's not working for me. No, I can't handle going there today. No, yes. I'm not. Now that's not to say, again, we all have to do things that we don't like. And sometimes they're going to say no, and we have to get to that. Yes, it's going to happen. But what I'm hearing you say is that what we would on paper, again, call more restrictive has actually given the freedom for your son to self-advocate and say no. Yes, yes. So absolutely. important, so important. So let's encourage um, our, our teachers and our, our professionals as in our therapists and our admins and such of when to say no for themselves, just as a human being, when you're in the wrong place in special education, you know, yes. that happens and, and we can see it as people on the quote, other side of the table. We know when you don't want to be there. We know, we know you're struggling. We know there's staff shortages. We know that there's regulations going on now that you agree or don't agree with. We get all of that, but there, there's, there comes a time sometimes where you just know you're in the wrong place. And I want to encourage you guys um, to say no to being in the wrong place. So a lot of times we will say things like, um, we got to make sure the right people are on the right seats on the bus, meaning like, like, cause we all have to be together here. We got to make sure that we're all in the right places so right. we can go forward together. And sometimes they have to say no to do that. So, so let's do that. Janelle, let's, let's, um, I'm going to lean on you here. Let's give some encouragement okay. to that, that teacher, that therapist who needs to say no, and maybe look for a different role or different school, yeah. a different something. Yes. And I just, it's, it's okay. You know, teachers, um, I have met so many teachers who are passionate about special education and have realized that the special education role as far as a teacher or as, as, as an educator is not necessarily where they want to be at when we're talking about sitting at the IEP table. I have seen it happen so many times where special edu education teachers or educators have actually came to this side of the table, and I'll just say that, you know, just figuratively speaking, where it's on the coaching side of helping families to truly, you know, help them through this journey of this special education process, because it can be overwhelming. And so then you have a teacher on this side, actually helping parents advocate for the proper education. So it is okay to, to understand that, hey, I may not be sitting in the right spot at this IEP table. It is okay to kind of move throughout that space and be able to be passionate about what it is that you want to do. And I have done that as a parent. And I have said, yes, I, I advocate and I do what I need to do for my son, but I also want to be able to change seats and sit on this side and be able to help families as well. Same to therapists, same to anyone else that's sitting at the IP table as an administrative staff or educator, that it is okay to rotate those seats and be able to do what's right when it comes to education. Absolutely. Um, you know, in our master IP coach community, that's something unique that we have. We are, uh, you know, the one community that I know of that we have parents, teachers, admins, therapists, all equal in our group working towards preparing IEPs that work in the real world that are supporting a child and being prepared for further education, employment, independent living. So I, I do want to encourage 
uh, all of our, our team members who are listening, maybe you need to, to switch it up to a different school. Maybe you need to sit at a different seat at the IEP table. Uh, you know, I want to encourage the parents, you know, say no, hit pause. It, no is not a bad word. No is not a four letter word, right? At the IEP right. table. Right. It, right. It, it's, um, it, it's sometimes difficult to say, but you have to do that. All right. Let's give one last kind of word of encouragement for you as a um, parent who is sitting at the IEP table and we're talking to our other parents now, or we're talking to teachers, lean in and listen um, in that. What is, what is a piece of the IEP that you feel is really important right now that parents need to like bust open the IEP and look at immediately? I would definitely have to say present levels. Um, Yes, we do know our child, but when we're talking about the academic and social skills that our children are learning daily, um, you have to bust open that IEP and really understand what present level mean for your child. So when you're at the IEP table and you're advocating for, you know, more of this or less of that, always, always, always go directly to the present level so you can exactly see where your child is today and how you can help them move for their future. Just like you said, Catherine, for further education, independent living and future employment, you want to be able to look at those present levels to see how you can help your child as well, as well as the IEP team as a whole. So I always say present levels, it's my favorite thing. And when I'm talking to my child's teachers and, and I'm trying to understand where is he at currently, how can I help even in this environment at home? I always look at that. And so pa parents, get familiar with that side, get familiar with the whole IEP as a whole. So you know how to do what you need when you're sitting at that IEP table. Absolutely. And I always ask that because here's the, with our master IP coach community, everybody kind of has a different area that they love about yes. the IEP, you know, like, like parent input statements, every, almost every workshop that I do when I have a bunch of parents in the room, I'm like, bust it open, look at the parent input statement, you know, present levels. That's huge. I'm like, do you understand what your child's doing? So yes. walking through those steps. And I was like, so I love that you jumped right to the present levels because that is so important. That's where a lot of worries sit as a parent is, what is my child going to do in the future? Well, first step is let's figure out what they're doing right now. Right now, exactly, 100%. And if I may say something, Catherine, about the Master IEP Network, at Master IEP Coach Network, is what I do love about the network is just what you said earlier, that we have teachers, admin, therapists. The, the network itself is just, you know, populated with everyone that is sitting at the IEP table. And now we're sitting in this role and being able to go to the network when I don't know something and ask a question and you get 10, 20 people, you know, helping you, you know, on, in this process is just so, you know, I enjoy it. I love it. I can't say enough about the Master IEP Coach Network. So I just want to thank you for that. Oh, thank you. You guys, I, I didn't tell her to say that just so you know, <laughs> I'm, just kind of, I'm sitting here very humbled. So thank you. I, I appreciate that so much. It has been an amazing community that I never could have. Um, I just never could have done without such amazing people in the special education community. And to have that place is it's so cool. So I want to encourage you guys. Um, it, Janelle does work one-on-one -on -one with clients. So we'll make sure that we have her information below as a master IP coach. Uh, you also can see down here in the show notes, wherever you're watching at, you can find out more information about becoming a master IP coach. If you're just like, who are these people that are like addicted to special education and so positive and collaborative, but yet 
they still say no. Um, that's us. So um, come find out more about becoming a master IP coach. And then if you could do me one thing, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please go hit five-star review, leave a comment. Every time there's a comment or a review, it pushes it out to more parents and teachers. And let's just face it, we need more parents and teachers working together. So if you could leave that review, that would be fantastic. If you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook or that, you know what, share it with a friend and, and make sure that, you know, we all have friends. If we're at the IEP table, that means we have friends that are sitting at the IEP table and they need help too. So just pass this along and make sure they, that they know that Master IP Coaches exist, that it's a resource and uh, we're here to help. So Janelle, thank you for being here today. Thank you again for having me. Truly an honor. Like I said, I love and I'm so passionate about what I do. So thank you. Thank you for this community. And just thank you just overall. I appreciate it. Oh, you are so welcome. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye.